The last time I talked about the spirit of life. And so tonight I'm going to talk about some more along these lines of being spirit filled. So here's our text. Ephesians 5 verse 18. The scripture says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we begin by asking the question, what does it mean to be spirit filled? What does it mean to be spirit filled? Now, I miss all of the deeper sessions except for one. I mean, I went on Sunday night and then because of family and that type of thing, I missed all the deeper sessions. So if I repeat something that they taught, in one of those sessions, just bear with me, pretend it's really new to you and it's really good. <clears throat> but I, I don't know that I will because I think I'm kind of going down a, a different road here. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? Unfortunately, the phrase spirit-filled has become a label. It labels people and it labels churches. It, it now refers to a person who has experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the past and now has a theology regarding uh, the will of God to intervene supernaturally in, in man's life today. In other words, it, it refers to a group of people who they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they don't believe that miracles passed away. They believe, therefore, today that God still wants to operate through people. A spirit-filled church has come to refer to a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and has the accompanying theology. Right? Now, the passage we read, though, it gives us an instruction in Ephesians 5.18. It says, be filled with the, whole, with the Spirit. Be filled. It doesn't say to have been filled with the Spirit. It says to be filled with the Spirit. It's talking about a current situation in which my life is filled with the Spirit. The word filled, literally from the Greek, it means to be crammed full, to be replete to running over. If I'm filled with the Spirit, I should be filled running over with the Spirit of God. All right? The instruction is to be currently filled to the degree that there's a runover and there's an evidence of that filling, much like there's an evidence of a person who is filled with alcohol. Or filled with the, the, the effects of alcohol. It should be visible, it should be evident to people. All right, we talked about being effervescent. Over the past couple of weeks. That word means to be vivacious. Full of life. Lively. Spontaneous. Excited. In fact most Christians I know are none of those. Alright. A lot of churches you go to. It's none of that. Okay. It is. We're going to go here. And it's going to be as boring as it can be. And then we're going to leave. And, and we're going to have more fun after we leave. It shouldn't be that. Being filled with the Spirit, we ought to be effervescent. There ought to be an overflow. There ought to be some, something that's exciting about it. We talked about the first, time, the first week about how the, that when people get, get drunk on alcohol or high on drugs, the purpose is they want to escape the humdrum of life. Just the, the way life is, they want a way out. The Lord provided a way to make life exciting in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If we're filled with the Spirit, our lives will be exciting. All right, so we talked about the Greek rendering in verse 18 when it says be filled with the Spirit. It literally says be being filled, having to do with being continually filled with the Spirit. The only way to stay continually full of the Spirit is to continually imbibe of the Spirit. The same way a person stays drunk, they continue to drink. 
We saw in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, the, many of the very same people were filled with the Spirit. So we've talked about we must be being filled with the Spirit. Okay, so that brings me to tonight where I want to start here. I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. And we want to put into context what's being spoken of there in, in verses 18, 19, and 20. Look what it says here. Ephesians 5, verse 1. I'm going to read several verses here. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore, ye therefore partakers with them. Now let's stop for a second here. The book of Ephesians is written... To Ephesian Christians. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Christians. Now here's the question. Is it necessary to write to saints about fornication? Apparently yes. Is it necessary to write to them about uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking? Apparently yes. Apparently, the church in Ephesus had some of that stuff going on, and the Apostle Paul is writing to them about that, 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 that type of thing. There are a lot of, of, of religious, silly ideas about being a saint. We have this idea, or many people do, that being a saint means that we are flawless. Here's the reality. We are saints by virtue of the new birth in Jesus Christ. But that didn't make us flawless. This is what I know about the new birth. My spirit man was born again and was 100% connected to God. My soul and my flesh were not born again. When I got born again, I mean, my spirit man was made new. I still had the same body. I still had the same thoughts. And those things have to be changed along the way. All right. But being a saint doesn't mean that we're flawless. Being a saint doesn't mean that we've earned some sort of sainthood. We became saints when we were born again. There's only two kinds of people. You're either a saint or you ain't. I mean, that's what it is. Okay? We're either a saint of God, born again, or we are, or we're not. The Bible teaches us that we've been made saints. It teaches us we've been made righteous. We've been made sanctified. Jesus never committed one sin, but he was made to be sin for us. We've been made to be the righteousness of God, even though we didn't commit righteousness. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay, we were made righteous. When we were born again, our spirits became new. But there's still the flesh and the soul that has to be dealt with. So here he's talking to these people in, in, in Ephesus. He's talking about these things that don't even need to be going on among them. 
He says, he, he says, beginning of verse eight, he says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We've got to learn how to be light. Even though we're born again and we're saints, we've got to learn how to be light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. It's interesting. He's telling Christians to not have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. For it is a shame, in verse 12, to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This is an interesting verse, this next one. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this is pretty powerful stuff. When we're filled with the Spirit, we are light in a dark world. The only way the church is really going to impact the world is if we are filled with the Spirit. We become light in a dark world. Isn't it interesting that Jesus told the apostles, he said, I want you to wait here until you're endued with power and then you go and be witnesses. In order to impact the world, we're going to be light when we are filled with the Spirit. One of my favorite parts of this passage is verse 16. It says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. The scripture here tells us that we can redeem time. Isn't that an interesting thought? We can redeem time. The word redeem means, it literally is talking about this. It literally means to buy back, to go to market and make a purchase and buy back. The, the usage of the word here means it's talking about going to the market and quickly buying what you need and quickly getting out of the market and getting back to the business that you need to take care of. It's telling us we can go to market here. We can buy time back. We can redeem time. We may think it's too late or that we've squandered opportunity, but we can redeem the time we've lost. How? By being filled with the Spirit. He says we can redeem the time. He says not, we're not to be unwise. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. We redeem the time by being filled with the Spirit. I really like that part. I know it seems to me like sometimes I've made mistakes and, 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 and I just... Maybe I've messed up beyond what I can fix. But the scripture says I can redeem the time. I can redeem the time by being filled with the Spirit. God wants us filled with the Spirit to the degree that we effervesce His presence. And it affects the world around us and we can redeem the time. Now, in the process of being filled with the Spirit and staying filled with the Spirit, one of the most important things we need to understand is we must learn as Christians what to yield to and what to resist. What do we yield to and what do we resist? If we're filled with the Spirit, if we're going to continually be 
filled with the Spirit, we must learn to yield to the Spirit and not resist Him. As we yield to Him, we'll continually be filled with Him. Whatever we yield to is what we're going to become. We have to yield to the Spirit. If we're to be Spirit-filled, we must yield to the Spirit. In order to yield to the Spirit, we have to learn how to identify Him. We have to learn how to identify other spirits who want to fill our lives as well. Christians don't take enough time to identify the Holy Spirit. And the truth is what we yield to is what we're going to be filled with. We need to learn to identify Him. 1 John 4, 1, and you've heard this verse of Scripture. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. We need to learn how to try the spirits. We need to learn how to identify them. You see, we're going to redeem time. We're going to be filled with the Spirit. But we've got to make sure we're responding and yielding to the right Spirit. One of my favorite translations of the New Testament is the uh, Kenneth Wiest expanded translation of the New Testament. Uh, Dr. Wiest has, has a tremendous uh, understanding of Greek words and the Greek language. And so he, he, he does this verse this way. He says, divinely loved ones, stop believing every spirit. He says, but put the spirits to the test to see whether they are of God for the purpose of approving them if they are and finding that they meet the specifications laid down as to orthodoxy and doctrine. Put your approval on them because many false prophets are gone out into the world. In this, you know, experientially the spirit of God. The scripture says we are to learn to try the spirits. Every spirit that comes along and tries to tell us it's from God may not be. We've got to learn to try the spirits. Trying the spirits doesn't mean to try them out like trying the flavors at Baskin Robbins. We have to learn to test the spirits. Test them. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It goes on to say, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. The devil is a master of disguise. He would have us believe things and make us think they are very Christian. He's a master tempter, obviously, and his best way to tempt is with the word of God. And if he can come... And he can make me think that what he wants me to do, and it may not be overtly evil, but it'll be enough that will take my focus away from the Spirit of God so that I'm not filled the way I ought to be. We need to be filled with the Spirit. The devil is crew, they're shrewd. They'll pretend to offer a Christian thing to trap God's people and get them filled with something other than the Holy Spirit. Sometimes Christians are filled with a cause, a good cause, a humanitarian cause that maybe God didn't call them to. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Follow yielding to the Spirit of God. We must know what to yield to. 
know what to give place to, and know what to resist. Now, obviously, sometimes when the devil tempts you, you know for sure it's the devil. The problem is, is that when the devil comes to try to get us to yield to something that's not right, is something we want to do anyway, right? He comes and tempts us with things to get us off track. We need to learn how to resist the way Jesus resisted. And you know this. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10, Jesus said this every time to Satan. It is written. We try the spirits. We get rid of the influence of the devil with the word of God. Understanding the word of God. We've got to make sure it is the word that we go to. The word we spend time with. Every believer needs a reserve of God's word in his spirit so that when the spirits come and try to tempt us, we understand what the word of God to us is and we can say it is written. I love Jesus' last response to the devil was, get the hence for it is written. And we need to learn how to have the word of God in reserve in our hearts. Here's what I find about a lot of Christians. They get into the word when they get into trouble. We need to have been in the word long before we got in trouble. We have this idea sometimes that when David slew Goliath, that that was the first rock he ever threw. I'm going to tell you, he threw lots of rocks before he got to Goliath. He was continually slinging those rocks. And he knew for a fact God was going to anoint what he was doing, but he knew he could sling a rock. And that wasn't the first time he figured out which, which ones were going to work in the sling. We need to be believers who have a reserve of the word of God so that when the devil comes to take us off course, for example, he comes in and he begins to try to fill our minds with worry, with frustration, with all kinds of fret, uh, what the Amplified Bible calls evil forebodings, to get our focus away from what the Spirit of God is saying Onto a different thought. And we might be filled with the evil foreboding. You know how the devil works. I mean, just one day you're you're praying for you're praying for your spouse. And you're praying for them, and and all of a sudden the devil goes starts these, this little train of thought about how that, you know, they're probably gonna get killed on the way home from work. They're on this well. Tammy was out of town and she's driving home from Phoenix. And the devil could have come and said, you know, she probably ain't going to make it home. She's probably, she's, you know, there are all kinds of crazy people out there. And if you meditate and allow those things to stay, all of a sudden you begin to be drained of being filled with the spirit because now you've, you've instead of resisting that, you've entertained it. You've yielded to the thought. We resist with the word. We resist, we need a reserve of God's word in our spirits at all times. Because I'll tell you, there'll be those times when we've got to stand up and say, it is written. It is written. Spiritual influences are manifested in our lives to the degree that we yield to them. Whatever we yield to will manifest itself in us. All right, we are to know the will of God. It's interesting that the last, right before it says be filled with the Spirit, it says that we are to know the will of God. That we're to be filled with 
filled with the Spirit. We need to know that. We need to be able to judge the spirits that are speaking around us and what they're telling us. We need to know, even if it is even if it is a strong Christian that we know giving us a word of prophecy, I know that Pastor Jackie the other night listed all the things that we judge prophecy with, and we need to be aware of those things. But we always judge the prophecy with the word of God and the witness of our own spirit. We've got to know that. People will try to prophesy all kinds of things to us and prophesy us out of being filled with the spirit. I love what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. He says, and he said to them, take heed what you hear with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. He that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now that doesn't sound like the, like, like the government wants it to sound. Jesus said, take heed to what you listen to. He said, test what you're listening to. Test it. Find out what spirit it's from. Whatever you yield to is what you're going to become. That's a very powerful thing. And even if you were filled with something else in the beginning, you'll lose it if you yield to the wrong thing. We have to yield to the spirit. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have to be aware of what's going on around us. And you know how it is. Sometimes we begin to think a thought that the devil just shoots across there. You know, we can't control every thought that comes to our minds. But we can control whether we meditate in that thought or not. Kenneth Hagin used to say it this way. He used to say, I can't control if a bird flies over my head. But I can control whether, whether or not it builds a nest in my hair. Okay, we have authority over the thoughts. Jesus said this. He said, he said, take no thought several times in, in, in Matthew's gospel. He finally said, take no thought saying. We've got to understand, if we, if we hear a thought and we meditate in that thought and think it and say it and think it and say it, eventually what happens is that spirit, whatever spirit that's from, its influence is manifested in our life. To the degree that we've yielded to it. We've got to be people who yield to what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right, we've got to test the spirits. There's never a reason for a believer to be afraid of a demon. We've got to test them. I told you in my testimony how that we thought going out on a Saturday night and finding demon-possessed people and casting out demons, we thought that was one of the most fun things ever. I mean, if we could get a demon spirit to manifest itself to us, we thought that was the greatest thing that could happen because then we could cast it out. We learn not to be afraid of them. We have to understand we have authority over every evil spirit that's out there. No matter how it wants to manifest itself, we have authority over it. Hollywood portrays demons to be these huge things, huge monsters. And it portrays the de- and it portrays the Christians to be weak, spineless people, but the demons are huge. Well, the opposite is true. They're not these big, huge things. They're big deceivers of people. Even Satan himself is not some huge, mean monster that can't be overcome. I like what Isaiah says about Lucifer in Isaiah 14, 16. It says, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. What it's saying is they're going to squint their eyes. 
They shall narrowly look upon thee and, and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake the kingdoms? We're going to look at him and go, that pipsqueak is him. That is him right there. We have authority over him and we don't have to take every thought that he brings to us. We don't have to be influenced by every spirit that he brings our way. We need to make sure we understand that we must submit and yield to the Holy Spirit, try the other spirits, not allowing them to have influence in our lives. We must yield to the Holy Spirit, resist evil spirits. Isn't it interesting? Ephesians 4.26 says this. It says, be angry and sin not. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to yield to a spirit of anger. Those are two different things. And the more a person yields to a spirit of anger, the more they'll look like the spirit of anger. It's a dangerous thing to yield to anger. One day you're angry because the guy cut you off. The next time you're so angry you cut him off in exchange and you get out of the car and he has a gun. You want to make sure you don't yield to that spirit of anger. Right? We must yield to the Holy Spirit. And when we do, we'll have characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The reality is whatever spirits we yield to, those are the characteristics that we'll be filled with. If we yield to the Holy Spirit, we'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. We'll have His fruit. We'll be, we'll be exuding with His power. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, we'll always exhibit Jesus. Whenever, whatever we yield to will bring change into our lives for positive or for, for negative. All right, when we yield continually to a lying spirit, that'll be a negative thing. We yield to a lusting spirit, we'll be changed. It's interesting to me that, that the, the, the Gadarene demoniac or the madman of Gadara, he had yielded for so long. That his mind was totally changed. I mean, he was naked. That's interesting. People who yield to evil spirits, the devil wants to be naked in public for some reason. He was obsessed with death. Lived among the tombs. He was obsessed with it. People who are obsessed with death are yielding to the wrong spirit. The Bible says death is an enemy. All right? And, and the guy was trying to, he yielded to all that stuff. But if we're to continually be filled with the Spirit, we must continually yield to the Holy Spirit in the little things and the big things. The evidence of our yielding will always be in our speaking, whether good or bad. What we yield to is what we become and it will always come out of our mouths. Now I'm going to share something with you that, that might mess with you a little bit. So hang with me for a couple of minutes. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 15. It's talking, about, it's talking about John the Baptist. It says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Isn't that an interesting thought? John was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Down in verse 41, it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. 
John was going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Would it be correct to say that he was born that way? It would be, wouldn't it? He was born that way. Have you heard? He's looking at me like, where are you going to go with this? Have you heard people say, well, I was born that way. They're talking about perverted lifestyles. They're talking about how unfair it would be for a Christian to think negatively of them for that lifestyle. And they're saying, yeah, but I was born that way. Could it be maybe they were? I know, I know I'm messing with you, but let me just show you something. Here. <laughs> there is something about spiritual influences surrounding our birth that can determine or influence our orientation in life. Things that happen at or around the birth of a child can have a great impact on them. Things that happen to a little boy or a little girl in their formative years can have tremendous impact on them for the rest of their lives. There's something about these spiritual influences. Spiritual influences are much more powerful than physical influences. We know this, that a woman's, a mother's use of drugs and alcohol can have disastrous effects on the physical child that she carries and gives birth to. Spiritual influences can have even greater impact on somebody's life. Spiritual influences that surround our birth. Listen, it is possible to be born a certain way, but what we yield to determines what we become. We may be born into the worst situation with the worst spiritual influence possible, but if we refuse to yield to that, we won't become that. What man the at birth there are a lot of things going on. Listen to this verse of scripture. This is in Psalm 58 verse 3. It says, now listen, it says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Sound like they're born that way, doesn't it? Well, I, I was just born that way. It says the wicked are, are estranged. The word wicked means twisted, perverted. We get the word wicker. Talking about twisted wood from that. Those who are born to twisted, perverted, evil influences that have been released in their lives by spirits other than the Holy Spirit. And the problem is the tendency is to simply yield to those influences and become what they demand. We become whatever we yield to. We become what we are by virtue of what we yield to, not what a desire says we have to be. Mm -hmm. I may be born with a certain influence all around me, but I have the freedom of choice to choose something different. Most people don't understand they have the freedom of choice to choose a different influence. 
We become what we are by virtue of what we yield to. Whatever we yield to. Spiritual influences are powerful at any, any phase of life. Sadly, children today are being taught in their formative years in certain public educations, even private educations, that perversions that are felt are normal and should be pursued. They're encouraged to follow that way of thinking, encouraged to entertain that spirit. And you know what they get filled with? That spirit. It fills them up. And, and it's because it's, it's formulated in them. I mean, with, with, with the many evil spiritual influences, I mean, young people are led to think by the spirits that they have no choice but to yield to them. They're led to believe that. We don't have to allow what we desire or what we feel to choose our destiny. We can choose what we become by choosing what we yield to. We can choose to be filled with the Spirit. Here's the reality. People are born murderers, some of them. And if they continue to yield to that kind of influence and that kind of spirit, they become murderers. But they don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to. They can yield to the Holy Spirit. The young man who killed all those people in Florida the other day, he had been yielding to that spirit for decades, not decades, he wasn't that old, for years and years. He had been yielding to it, imagining performing the very act that he performed. You see, there's been a spirit of murder released on our nation since Roe v. Wade. And we've said that human life is no longer valuable. And so that spirit of murder has come. Today, children are being influenced through video games. Nothing at all to spend hours a day playing a game, killing people, committing all kinds of atrocities. And, 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 and not all of them are going to become mass murderers and yield to those spirits. But the ones that do have followed that thing through thinking they have no choice because they yield to it. And they yield to it. And it continues to lie to them. I've thought about this a lot this past week with the passing of my father. I thought the environment that we're born into can, if we allow it, it can force us into a certain lifestyle, can force us into a certain way of thinking, can force us to do all kinds of things if we yield to it. When I was born, my name was Randy Jones. Uh, my, my, my biological father, his name was H.M. Jones. The last time I saw him, I was three years old. The last time I talked to him, I think I was 32 years old. Is that right? He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want anything. I mean, that was some, a different part of his life. But I grew up, when, as, as, as my mom divorced him, and I even went down to look at the divorce papers one time to figure out why in the world did they get a divorce and... And was my mom even old enough to be married? Was I illegitimate? You know, just questions I had. Well, I found out I was legitimate. But, but they got a divorce, according to the divorce papers, because he was an alcoholic. They got a divorce. Well, it didn't say he was an alcoholic. It said because of the use, excessive use of alcohol. For several years after that, my mom dated men that were just like him. I mean, they were all exactly the same. 
They all cussed. They all drank heavily. They all, you know, they all were willing to put up with me because they wanted her. They were, I mean, they were all exactly the same. My mom told me what a bad man my, my biological father was. So I grew up thinking that I was the son of a bad man. Now, you know how you are when you're a kid. In my mind, there was something wrong with me because I was his son. Okay, now it wasn't like it was an overt thought that came to me and I, thought, I sit down, but thought it out. But there was something in me that thought something was wrong with me. And I was always ashamed because of that. When she married my, my father, the one that passed away a few uh, last week, I mean, he was pretty much just like the other guys. Drinking and cussing and all that stuff. He did love my mom. And he provided a, a good home for her and, and for us. But I mean, you know... My biological father, he went to prison for armed robbery after I think he divorced my mom. Well, my stepfather, he went to prison for armed robbery before he married my mom. There aren't many people in this world who can say they got two fathers who have been to prison for armed robbery. Okay, but, but you know, that's, that's the influence that I grew up in. I grew up with my mom and, and, and dating these guys and they were all the same, you know, and 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 and, and there was there was this pornography, there was alcohol, there was all this stuff going on all around me. And so there was a pretty negative spiritual influence going on, on me as a child. However, my great grandmother was a strong, strong Church of Christ lady. I mean, strong Church of Christ lady. She lived, we, my mom and my sister and I lived with my grandparents. My great-grandmother lived in a trailer house in their backyard. I guess she did that in those days. You know, she had this little trailer house in the backyard. She took care of us as children. Again, she was Church of Christ. She went to Broadway Church of Christ, and she was very Church of Christ, except every now and then I would come in from outside playing, and my grandmother would be in a rocking chair, and she would be singing, humming to a hymn. Humming to a hymn, but the words that came out of her mouth were not English words. <laughs> I don't think she had any idea of what was going on, but she was just worshiping God. And every night... Two kids could go, it was my, I have an uncle that's one year older than me, and an aunt that's two years older than me, another aunt that's four years older than me. I, have a, I had a sister that's two years younger than me. So there's five of us kids that were kind of in the same age range. Every night, two of us could go spend the night with my great-grandmother. Two people could go. I went every night with her. Every night, because there was something very attractive about her love for Jesus. Every night, I went out there with her. Every night, we would, she would say, well, what do you want to hear from in the Bible? And she would read to me from the Bible. And whoever else was with me, she would read to us from the Bible. And I remember as a little boy, her saying to me, you are a man of God. And she began to prophesy. She, did, she just loved Jesus. She didn't know anything other than she loved him and she loved me. She loved Jesus. And she began to put in me a hunger for the things of God. Now, my mom did not want me to become a Church of Christ. So on Sunday mornings, she took me and dropped me off at the Baptist Church. <laughs> because, you know, that once saved, always saved was better than, than, than all that other stuff. And she, you know, but, but my grandmother did that to me. And there was a hunger in me. 
Then when my mom married my dad, we moved to California, the hunger was still there. And by now, I'm, I guess I was in the third grade, second or third grade. Well, I found a church that was close to our house and I rode my bike to church. Nobody else went. But I had a hunger because though the circumstances around me were very negative, she overcame those things with the word of God and caused me to hunger for God and I chose something different. I mean, it would have been easy for me to have just been like all the rest of them. I had another option when she presented Jesus to me. You see, we become what we yield to. I began to yield to the Spirit of God as a little boy. Hungry for Him, hungry for His Word. Now, again, I wasn't perfect, but I was a saint. I got born again when I was a little boy, and I've never gone back on that. I mean, when I was in high school, you know, experimented with some alcohol and different things, but you know what? Overall, I wanted God more than I wanted anything else. But I had to choose that influence. You see, we have to make a choice. And even in that process, I had to make some choices. Had to choose along the way. You see, our feelings and our desires don't determine or define our identity. We have to choose a spirit. I love what Jesus said in John 8. He said, he says, he says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. To continue is a choice. We make a choice to continue. Then you're my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. As we make a choice for the Holy Spirit, make a choice for his leading, make a choice, we continue and it's the truth that we know that makes us free. Not just the truth, the truth we know, the truth we have revelation of. We must know the truth. What we yield to is what we become. That's what we're going to be filled with. We must be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle said, Be being filled. That's a choice. We must yield there. Peter says in 2 Peter 2, verse 18, says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for, for of whom a man is overcome of the same it, it, is he brought in bondage. These people are out there influences. Oh, there's freedom here. There's freedom there. Come with us. You'll be enlightened. No, they're in darkness because they've chosen to yield to spirits of darkness. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 talked about being light and being in the light. And it's going to take us being filled with the Spirit to walk in that light. I mean, they speak of being free, but they yield to a lie. We must never, here's what, I, here's what I'm coming to. There are people out there that are going to say I was born that way. It's not my job to judge them. 
Not my job to condemn them. I tell you, I'm glad, 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 glad I'm not the judge. I don't have to be the judge. I have to judge me, but I'm not going to judge them. We must always walk in love. Here's what I know about sinners. What they do best is sin. And they're good at it. In fact, most sinners are better sinners than Christians are at being Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I like verse 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. What we are is what matters. What, what we've become by virtue of what Jesus has done in our lives, that's what matters. That's all that matters. We must make a choice to be filled with the Spirit. Make a choice to be filled. You see, I like what it says. He says, such were some of you. Some of you, he said, some of you all, you were fornicators. I mean, Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were born that way. That's the way you were born. But our identity is not based on what we were, but on what we are. We're washed, we're sanctified, we're justified. We are what we yield to. If we yield to the Spirit, we'll be filled with the Spirit. If we yield continually to the Spirit, we will continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God.